The road to the 2018 World Cup in Russia kicks off on Friday night for the U.S. men's national team in St. Louis. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev in St. Louis. Ivis, how is everything out there doing? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's nice out here. The weather is a lot nicer than it was the last time I came out here, which was for the 2009 MLS draft. I think it was like negative five degrees that time, but uh, it's, it's nice out. Uh, just came from Bush Stadium, actually, and uh, it's a beautiful venue, be- uh, beautiful place. It's going to be a little weird to, to have a soccer game being played. You're going to see kind of the baseball dirt and all that. It's going to be a little weird, but uh, it should be a good environment. It can't be that weird, man. Come on. NYCFC fans are used to it, Ivis. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's the thing. I think, Amer- the, and if anything, NYCFC fans have, have, have trained American soccer fans to get used to the whole idea of baseball markings. But, um, but no, you know, it's a, it should be a great crowd. I mean, by all accounts, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a packed house and it's a game the U S should win. So we'll see if they can kind of flex their muscles and we can see some of these new faces, uh, get a chance to shine. Well, it's a game the U S should win. So you know that the final score will be what? One to zero, two to zero, a struggle. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> no, no. You know what? Games like this usually end up, uh, usually end up being pretty comfortable. So, I'm going to go. I think it'll be like a 3 0, 4 0. It better be. Better be. Because if they struggle, it's not going to look good heading into Trinidad. Well, before we talk about the U.S. game on Friday, as you can just, as you can see in the description, Walker Zimmerman joins us on the show. We'll talk to him here in a little bit. We'll also talk about Brad Bradley, a few MLS awards, and the NASL final, and the U23s. They have that home. They have a, that double game friendly against Brazil. We'll talk about that. But as Ivan says, we just talked about the U.S. on Friday taking on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Look, on all accounts, Ivis, this should be 4-0, 5-0 victory. The U.S., I don't want to say they need this, but just given how the last few months have gone for this U.S. men's national team, I mean, you would think that Jurgen Klinsmann and the rest of the team will have a sigh of relief if the team could at least go into halftime with a 2-3 goal lead. I mean, this should be a result where the U.S. can get some confidence and get a little bit of that swagger back on Friday. Right. I mean, I think it, it can be that kind of game that, uh, and, and not even as much for the players, but I think just the fans to show the fans that there's something to kind of feel good about and uh, be optimistic about. Uh, I think we are going to see some new looks in that starting lineup. Um, I think if you're asking me, I think Darnton Nagby starts in this game. Um, I don't know about Miazga. I think Miazga is going to come off the, come off the bench possibly, but uh, I, I think Clemson was going to have to shake some things up, uh, maybe try some some different things out. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I think. DeAndre Yellenet right back would be a good look, good something good to. I mean, it'd be nice to play him at the position he plays for his club, and he's playing regularly. Uh, and then Fabian Johnson in the midfield, maybe we'll see some of that. So let's see what Klinsman's ready to do. If he's really ready to shake things up, or if we're going to see more of the same. Well, I think that's the biggest question. I have, is what is Jurgen going to do? I mean, you have some of the the older guard that are have been called up to this game. You know, guys like uh, Jermaine Jones, Kyle Beckerman. The goalkeepers, Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, which you got to assume that one of those guys will be starting in Russia. But I think that's going to be the question, Ivis, is how does Jurgen use this game? You brought up a good point um, on the previous show. You know, you don't want to go into this game and walk away with a draw or, I mean, think walk away with a loss. I mean, you still have to qualify for the next round. This game is important. It does mean something. So, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Jurgen Klinsman, Ivis, does that. You know, does he bring up the young guys right away in this game? Does he save them for later on? Or is he just introducing them? I mean, he has a lot of options for what he wants to do going into into this game right i mean well one thing we know already is that brad guzan is starting this match and tim howard will start against trinidad and you can read into that what you will um but beyond that i think uh you know we should see a lot of fresh faces but 
uh, I think we're going to see one of those veterans in the middle, uh, whether it's Jones or Beckerman, uh, just to kind of have a little bit of veteran veteran uh, experience in the middle there. Uh, beyond that, though, I think I think we could see a lot of different uh, uh, things. We could see Breck Shea at left back. Uh, we could see, as we mentioned, we could see um, Darnton Agby play on the wing. And uh, it, it's an opponent that they should, no matter who they put out there, they should win. They should win 3-0 minimum. minimum. Um, but I think you have the pieces to play a pretty dynamic attack, a pretty fast attack. If you play Zardis up top uh, with Altidore, I think Altidore is a safe bet to start. Um, I think Jordan Morris more likely off the bench. Um, but Nagby's the one everyone wants to see. Is he is is Klinsman ready mm-hmm. to hand Darnton Nagby a, a start? And I know some people will say, well, he hasn't even had a cap yet. How do you start a guy who hasn't had a cap yet? Let's not forget now Rubio Rubin against Columbia – uh, a year ago, got a chance in his first start. In his first cap, he got a start, and he did pretty well. So I think a player like Nagby, when he's in the form he's in, you want to take take advantage of that and what better opportunity than to let him start in his first game. Exactly right. I mean, Nagby's just been on fire the last two months for the Portland Timbers. I mean, becoming that player that, you know, you always see glimpses of that. I mean, he looks like that full package right now, what he's been able to do for the Portland Timbers. You just hope that translates over to the U.S. Men's National Team. Before we start talking about the attacking players, goals, and excitement, I think the question is a lot of people's minds is how is the defense going to shape up? Because let's face it, defense wins championships. We could see a combination out there. Uh, Ventura Alvarado has been called in camp. Does he get the start? Could we see Tim Ream on the outside? Jeff Cameron, is he back there with Matt Beasler? I mean, Breck Shea? I, look, a lot of options here for what Jurgen could do with the back line. Well, I think the back four, it's probably going to be Fabian Johnson right back, even though I think a lot of people would like to see Yedlin right back. Um, I don't want to see that. I want to see Yedlin <laughs> up the field. I, I don't know. You'd rather see him than, than Fabian yes, Johnson? Yes, because here's my thing. Okay, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll get to the midfield, but focus on defense right now. So Fabian right, Johnson, right. you have him at right back. At right back. Uh, Jeff Cameron. And then uh, then the big question is, do you shake it up a little and put an Aventura Alvarado in? I personally would not do that. I don't think we're going to see a Miazga. Um, I think you go with Matt Beasler, uh, even though some people might say, oh, you save him for the Trinidad game. He's probably your best option as left center back. I agree I agree that he's your best option, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to put Ventura Alvarado near anywhere in a starting lineup, but you know how Jurgen Klinsmann feels about Alvarado, so mm-hmm. I don't think anyone should be shocked if we see that. Um, as far as Tim Ream, I think he's going to start. He was actually the player in the press conference uh, for this game. Everybody knows he's from St. Louis. He's a hometown kid. And, and I think the fact that he did the press conference uh, at least suggests that he's probably going to start tomorrow. At left back, right? Yeah, I think that's the best bet. I mean, um, well, who knows? Maybe we'll see him center back and Brooke Shett left back. That, that'd be that'd be interesting. One, actually, player, that, one player we didn't mention, Michael Roscoe. Does he see the field at all? I can't see that. I can't see a Roscoe getting on the field. I get the veteran thing, but... Couldn't his spot be saved for maybe a younger player who has a chance? I mean, nothing against Michael Roscoe. He's a good player. He can, he can do spot duty when you need him to. But the chances of him making the World Cup in Russia are... It's not, right. But, yeah, but you know what? How many young guys are you... I mean, you already have Miazga in there. And there's just not a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of guys who are ready. I mean, I, you're asking me, yes. I, me, personally, I probably wouldn't have called him in. But at the same time, you can understand why... Klinsman wants to at least have some more, you know, a couple of veterans there. You can call, you can say Ventura Alvarado's a youngster who isn't ready. So, I mean, how many of those guys do you want on your team sure. in a pro, in a in a pair of qualifiers? So, I totally get why he would want a Roscoe in this in this camp. Think about this, Ventura Alvarado. For I know we call him young, and I feel like he's just been brought on the U.S. Men's National Team. He already has thirteen caps. Thirteen. 
Where, where do those come from? I'm trying to think of them now. <laughs> I'm sure U.S. fans remember all of them. And, I'm, I'm and trying to think. Like, where did most he get of them 13 are... caps? Like, when did he have that opportunity? It's just I feel like he had zero two days ago. Well, I mean, starting with the Mexico game in San Antonio all the way through, I mean, just the Gold Cup. Yeah, they add up real quick. Yeah, they do. They do. Well, most... Moving up to the midfield, Ivis, Jurgen does have some options. Um, you mentioned playing possibly Darlington Nabby on the outside. We could see DeAndre Yedlin there. Um, just makes Discrude get some playing time. Then you still have Michael Bradley. Who does he get paired with? Jermaine Jones, Kyle Beckerman. Um, what do you see out of the midfield on Friday night? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, obviously we'll see Bradley. Um, I don't know about Zardis in the midfield. I think we should see Zardis up top. I think we could see an Altidore Zardis combination uh, up top. And then on, on the wings, you can go either Yedlin or Fabian Johnson and, and Darrington Nagby on either side, um, depending on what Clemson wants to do as far as Johnson and Yedlin. Um, obviously, I wrote earlier in the week for Goal.com that we should see Yedlin at right back and Johnson in the left wing. But, you know, that's uh, that's what I would do, and that's what I think a lot of people would do. But Klinsman is has shown an affinity for, for playing Yedlin higher up the field. Um, and Nagby is going to play in the wing role. I don't think we're going to see Nagby play centrally and um, probably on the left wing. I would like to see Yedlin up top. That's what I like to see. The problem, <laughs> here's the problem. I feel here's my playing too much FIFA, man. You play no, too no, much no, 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 no. Here's my thing with Yedlin, and, and I, and I, yes, I, I think he's fine at right back. But the quality and speed that he brings, the problem is when he takes the ball, you know, deep in defense, drives up the field. By the time he gets to the final third, he's exhausted. It's I mean, look, when you're tired, it's hard to get the cross. You move Yedlin up the field. Oh my gosh! You're just how is you? he exhausted? You're you're confusing him with you and your no, like. No, I'm talking just over the course games. of a game. I'd rather him get to the final third when he's playing up top, so that's a shorter distance than when he's playing right back. Problem is this: I feel like Yedlin would be a great right winger in a four-three-three. You can't do that and have Josie Altidore be up top by himself. Can't do that, unfortunately. Oh, you do realize that we, that wide midfielders have a ton of, of running to do and a ton of work to do. You don't just hang out up 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 the field in the final third. No, I, I, I mean, know that. that. I know that. Work. So I mean, you're making it seem like he he'd have like way less running to do if he played midfield. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I think it, it, the thing with Yedlin is he's been playing it right back for his, for for Sunderland. He's playing in the, one of the top leagues in the world. Uh, what better place to be getting experience? So right now he's coming in with confidence. He feels comfortable at the position. Why not play him there? Why force a Fabio Johnson in there who, number one, he's not playing their first club team. Number two, he hasn't looked all that great at right back lately. He's actually, you know, he's looked he's looked kind of average almost for him. Uh, nowhere near his World Cup form. So, uh, I, I, you know, maybe we'll probably see Edlin up to higher up, but I, personally I would play him at right back. Are you crazy? Fabian Johnson just scored in Champions League, Ivis. Come on. And playing in the midfield, playing as a left winger. That that's that come on. Scoring in the Champions League, he's easily now the second best player the US has ever had after Jermaine Jones. Okay, first of all, <laughs> cannot forget about Clint Mathis. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> One player we didn't mention and, and yes, look, in the, these games matter, so you get three subs. You can't bring in five, six guys. Is uh Miguel Ibarra any chance he sees the field? Miguel Ibarra? No, I don't think we're gonna see him. I mean it's a he, it's a weird call up to begin with. I mean, we're talking about a, a kid who who hasn't exactly played a ton in Mexico. Uh, I know he scored a goal recently, but I think that was one of the more head scratching kind of call ups for me. Um, obviously, you're looking at trying to find some some options on the left wing. I mean, I think for me, a guy like Sebastian Legette uh, for the Galaxy, who was so good for them since he arrived uh, with LA, 
why, why don't you give him a look? He's, he's, I think he's even younger, actually, than Danny Barra. So that was a little surprising to me, but we all know Klinsman look, and there's also the talk about, oh, can you cup, cap tie him? Because he is technically eligible for Mexico. I don't know that Mexico is knocking down the door to, to get Ibarra. But the next time they can cap time is in March. And who knows, maybe in four months he could light up the guy Max and all of a sudden he's on Juan Osorio's radar. I don't know. It's a little weird one for me, but I don't think I, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to see it. And if we do, it's going to be like in the 90th minute. Yeah, I feel like he'll be brought on to waste time and just to get the cap tie. Is that a dog in the background? I think I did hear a dog in the background. That hey. wasn't your dog? Huh? No, I don't have a dog. We have a cat. I, my my fiance well, has made me a cat person. Trade. Can you believe that? Horrible, horrible. Uh, Ivis, the forward situation. I think you could say that Josie Altador gets the start. After that, it's anyone's guess. You could see Zardis. You could see Bobby Wood. Why not Jordan Morris? What could Jurgen do next to Josie Altador? I think U.S. fans would love it if Jordan Morris got the start. I think they would, too. Uh, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't even have a problem with it because the kid is he's made the most of every opportunity he's gotten. Um, having said that, I don't know if he's ready to start him in a qualifier. Uh, I think he's still going to bring him off the bench. But I, I think we're going to see Zardis and Altura up top. I, th- I really do. I think I think that's going to be the tandem. And then if we're really desperate, Alan Gordon will come in the game for the equalizer. <laughs> no, you're saving Alan Gordon for 80, 85th minute in Port of Spain. U.S. down 1-0. One, one they need his big body in the penalty area. That, that's exactly what you bring him in for. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I already see U.S. fans. I was right now like grabbing their hair, going, "Holy crap, that better not happen." <laughs> there's just no ta- hey. There's no who, there's no target forwards. I mean, let's I face know. it. And and anyone who watches MLS knows that Gordon makes things happen late in games. So. First off, and he's a good player too. He can he can pass. He can take players on. He's not just a big body. Okay, now, settle down. Now you're no, but he's not just a big body though. I feel like he gets labeled unfairly sometimes. When we're talking internationally, the international level of the game, he is pretty much just a big body. In MLS, yes, you could say, hey, okay. Hey, hey, he, can, he can provide crosses from the wing, Ivis. We've seen that before. Come on. He's not going to be anywhere near the wing. He is going to be camped out <laughs> in the six-yard box looking at, like, pummel somebody to get the ball. <laughs> uh, what do you think it's going to be? For, I, I'm going to say at least 4-1. At least. Uh, they better not give up any goals. So I think I it's hope they be... don't. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to be too optimistic here. I think I'll go four nil. Four nil is a nice, nice, comfortable, nice and neat. Four nil. Four nil. Josie Altador goal. <laughs> Darlington Nagby goal. Michael Bradley goal, and then Jordan Morris off the bench because he's just Jordan Morris. It's going to add to the. It's going to add to the uh, the, the hype, myth, the legend, the, hype, the Jordan Morris hype train. Exactly. <laughs> And the game the U.S. will be playing will be on Friday, as I've said, at Bush Stadium, home of the St. Louis Cardinals. It's an early kickoff, so make sure you plan accordingly. It kicks off 6.30 on the East Coast, 3.30 on the West Coast. And then, from, and then if you're in Arizona, you don't do daylight savings, 4.30 for all the Arizona listeners. So what are you going to do? You're going to be at work. Are you going to stay at work and watch the game? Uh, what are you going to do? I'm going to have to – I don't know. That's a good question. Or, or, or I'll be watching on – um, the watch ESPN app on my drive home. So there you go. Oh, oh, that's what you want to be doing is watching the game as you drive. That I've done that before. Like I was watching the Thirty Rock episode that I didn't that's, want to end, so I just watched in my car while I was driving. You, I'm pretty. Yeah, you're just you're just admitting like felonious behavior right now. Yeah, but I, I couldn't get arrested for it. There's no evidence of that. I'm just talking just, about you, it. You just admitted it. That's like I'm saying I. Sure. That's like saying I, I beat you up. You know, it's like is that true or not? Like there's no Whoa. evidence of it. Well, I think everybody knows that couldn't happen. It could, it could happen, Ivis. <laughs> okay, it could happen. You know, I get, I get you at the right angle. 
Mm. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I know you're thinking of it. <laughs> Next time I see you, you're going to be like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Ivis, before we move on and talk to Walker Zimmerman, we do have to talk about the U23 men's national team who are preparing to face Colombia for a spot in next year's Olympics. That's later in March. Until then, the U.S. needs to gear up for that. They scheduled two game, two friendly games against Brazil, which are both in Brazil. The U.S. has already played the first one, which was yesterday. They lost 2-1. to one. It was a horrendous, I don't want to say horrendous result, but it was a very bad result for the U.S. They're down 2-0. They score a goal on a penalty, which, which then put them up a man. So they had a majority of, of the second half, you know, 30, 25 minutes, up a man, and yet Brazil, down a man, still dictated the pace, still dictated the passing, still dictated the possession, and should have scored two more goals. I mean, come on, Ivis, the U23s, are they ever going to figure it out? Because right now, it looks like the Olympics are not going to happen. All right, settle down. It's not. It, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. The game was. It was definitely not a pretty game. The twenty. The twenty threes were clearly overmatched. And if not for the red card, who knows how ugly it might have gotten. Um, having said that, it's Brazil. Brazil's a very good team. Uh, they had some quality players in that group. I mean, Felipe Anderson, the Lazio playmaker. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's you know in the transfer talks. He could be a thirty million, forty million dollar player. So I mean, they did bring some some stars to that game. Um, having said that, the group that they took to Brazil for this friendly did not look good at all, and it was pretty clear that they 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 missed guys like Jordan Morris, Will Trap, uh, Matt Miazga is another one. Even though the center backs did okay for for yeah, the I, U.S., I they but did pretty well, right? They did okay, but I mean, definitely they missed Trap. I mean, you could even argue for an Emerson Hyndman in midfield would help them. Uh, but they just the group that was out there did not look good at mm-hmm. all. And um, you know, Colombia is a good team. Colombia is a very good team. So. Um, if they had to take that group, it'd be one thing. But there were other guys. I mean, Cody Cropper's a guy. I mean, no offense to Charlie Horton, but he's, I mean, it's night and day, him between him and guys like Cody Cropper and Zach Steffen. So, and, and Horton didn't didn't exactly look the part either. So I, I think we, we should take it easy and not just assume, okay, because of that performance by that particular group that they can't beat Columbia, but obviously they're going to need, they're going to need all hands on deck. They're going to need Will Trapp. They're going to need Jordan Morris. Uh, you know, Ruby or Rubin, even if he, depending on that, you know, when he's back healthy, um, because they're going to know all those guys if they're going to be Columbia. I agree with you on that. And, and I know this one game is not the end of the world, but it's just, to me, it's just concerning when you score a goal, you're losing by one and you're up a man and there's just no energy out of this team. I mean, and I mean, you wonder where these guys are currently formed, if anyone's dealing with injuries, but just to not have that urgency when you're up a man, it just well, it kind of confuses were chas- me. It, well, it's pretty simple, really. They chase the game for so long. It wears you out. And and they were chasing Brazil. They were chasing shadows for, for a chunk of that game before the red card. So it, it just getting a man advantage at, at that point in the game isn't enough. You still have to have the energy in the tank. And Brazil pretty pretty much had worn them out. I mean, and I'm pretty sure it was they were, they were sweltering conditions there. It was pretty hot. So it, it was just set up for Brazil to to do what they did, and it's not easy. It's not easy against the Brazil team that that had that had some quality on the field, and it's not the first time a U.S. team has been outclassed by a Brazil team. I mean, let's face it. No, I mean, we just I we saw we saw it with the senior team two months ago. They, it was it was uh, it was a pretty thorough beating. I agree, but look, I just hope that Andy Herzog lit these guys up because just off this one game, there was just there was just nothing. There was just there's no quality. It just it was. 
I mean, I don't know what the next game is going to look like, the next friendly that they're going to play, which is on November 15th. But, I mean, I, I just I would like to see the U.S. come out and just go full steam down down the mountain. You know, I would like to see that. Just in this game, there was just they were just missing that. They were missing that spark. Like to see I that, just, Ivis. Right. I mean, I just think the group that they have there isn't that, isn't that strong a group. It really isn't. I don't think uh, – and, I, I mean, I see, I, also the, the lineup that you put out there, when you put a Matt Poster and a Fatai Alashi together – uh, already, that's a very kind of defensive squad, and then you're asking Gideon Zellum to. He to struggled kind of, in this match. Yeah, you're asking him to carry an attack at, at a higher age group, and and I don't. He's just not ready. I, I, he's got a ton of skill, but he's still young. He's still physically, uh, I think, struggles with that that age group. And also, to be fair to him, I think at times he has good ideas, but his teammates aren't on the same page as him. So, like, while he may have an idea to kind of deliver a pass and try to combine, like his teammates might not necessarily see the same runs or see the same ideas that he sees. So uh, for me, I think once you get a guy like Will Trap, you get Emerson Hyman, you get those type of guys in the midfield, I think it's going to be a much better-looking U.S. attack. And and then obviously when you have a guy like Jordan Morris, who with his speed can definitely you know press the, the opposing defense and create some space, I think, I think those guys would make the world a difference. Well, the next game for the U23s is against Brazil. That will be played on November 15th, 3 o'clock on the East Coast, 12 o'clock kickoff in California. It's on Fox Sports 2. Speaking of the U23s, joining us right now is Walker. But momentarily, I was, I got to say, we had this guy on the first show we ever had, which I refuse to listen to, because not because of Walker, because of what you and I sounded like. I mean, it's been a long time to think that. I mean, I feel like Walker Zimmerman has been in the league for so long. I mean, it's only been just a few years since his rookie year. It, well, it, it, he was a guest on episode one, and that was. it seems like that was 100 years ago. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is his third year in the league, and he's obviously had his, his rough times, his up and downs. He's had his injuries uh, trying to break in, but he's gradually progressing, and, and we saw – he showed in that Seattle game, in that in that decisive Seattle game, uh, how how much he's matured, how much he's come along, mm-hmm. and I think he, he's shown some qualities that tell you, you know what, maybe next year he it's really his chance to, it's his time to break out. It is. I mean, dude, definitely. Look, when you just look at his numbers this year, most games he's played ever in his professional career, I just for him to, to you know to get the goal, then to hit that penalty at the end uh, in, in the penalty shootout to advance Dallas that next round. I mean, that's. For guys who've been in the year, league for three years, I mean, that showed a lot of maturity in his part, just to, just how calm and just how poised he was at that moment. Yeah, I mean, well, the the goal that he scored, I mean, that was just an excellent play, but then the penalty, you know, for a defender and a, and a defender that came off the bench to step up and take one of the first, to take one of the five, and then to have that kind of confidence and his and his, it will, no one will ever forget that that uh, his celebration. I mean, most people would have just run around like a maniac. Uh, I'll always, you know, kind of like the CONCACAF Cup winner when Paul Aguilar looked like he had a brain aneurysm uh, <laughs> after he scored. But, you know, credit hey, credit to Zimmerman, man. He, he showed some poise. Yeah, he did. And he is right now joining us on the phone. Walker, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing good. I, look, I got to assume that you're doing pretty well, though. I mean, you had a game kids dream of against the Seattle Sounders, stop a time, stoppage time goal. Then you hit the final pen, penalty. I mean, have you had a chance to come down to earth yet? Yeah, I have. It's It's been uh, kind of quite a whirlwind of the past 24, 48 hours. But, um, you know, it's so exciting and obviously a great result for our team and just a, a great experience to be a part of. Right. Now, now we have to ask, as far as the penalties go, 
uh, before we get into the equalizer, the penalty and the celebration. I mean, did you did you was that already in your mind pre-planned, or did that you just feel that at the moment? <laughs> Explain that whole sequence. No, well, it's kind of funny. I don't know. I just kind of uh, I hit the BK. I knew which way I was going, and decided to stick with it and just you know be confident with what I decided to do. And then after the fact, I don't even. I never thought about just turning around and standing there or anything. I was just so uh, full of adrenaline and hype and uh, just kind of couldn't wait for my teammates to run down so we could go celebrate with Jesse. When uh, was the last time you took a penalty? I mean, usually defenders are, are trying to hide behind the goalkeeper to, to take a, to take a penalty. <laughs> and you, you, you took one, uh, you know, you took one when you took one. What, what, uh, you just, mm-hmm. you just good at, you just good at those or what? Well, I haven't taken one in a while. Um, in college, we actually never even went to a PK shootout. Um, so the last one I took was uh, for the U19 um, the State Cup. For U19 was the last time I took one in the State Cup final. Um, and that was about three and a half years ago. So yeah. it was quite some time um, since I'd taken one. But it was something where we had practiced a bunch that week in, in uh, training. And the four guys who you saw step up and take, take the PKs were, were four guys who hadn't missed all week. Um, so we were all very confident going into the shootout. Um, and we talked about it just being a mentality, you know, it was, Hey, commit to what you're going to do and just, just convert what you want to do in your mind. And if a keeper happens to save it, sometimes you got to tip your hat. Um, but we all executed very well. As far as Jesse goes, uh, obviously he stepped up uh, big in those. Did you, did you guys have confidence uh, that he'd be able to, to step up there? Cause I know when the PKs, when the shootout started, I think most most outside observers figured, okay, Stephen Fry's the veteran, Jesse's the young kid, Seattle's got the edge, but then Jesse steps up to make some big saves. Did you, did you kind of see that coming? For sure. I mean, like I said, we practice PKs and, and training, and our goalies do a great job of uh, of reading PKs and which direction players are going. And with Jesse, he's just such a big guy. He's so tall, and he has that wingspan. So if he dives to one side, he usually covers you know that whole area. So it's got to be a pretty good PK to get past him if he dives correctly. Um, so we had a lot of confidence in him. We've seen him save multiple PKs before, even on the international stage, like he's done. Uh, so we were confident, and, and yeah, just everything worked out, and it was just a full team effort um, in preparation and in execution. You know, Walker, on the game against Seattle on Sunday, you know, after you guys come back from the first leg, you guys looked pretty good. I mean, your confidence had to be pretty high. Tesho gets that goal. Things are looking pretty good until Chad Marshall scores that goal. I mean, kind of what was running through your guys' mind, especially for you to get that stoppage time goal to send it into extra time? You know, how did you guys, you know, how were you guys able to overcome Chad Marshall's equalizer? Because, I mean, that sucked all life out of the stadium at that time. Well, it, it is a mentality, and, and we do have a never-quit mentality, and we really mean it, you know, and we, we proved it uh, the other night because a lot of times it's like, oh, man, they just scored an equalizer. You know, we're going to lose to Seattle again in the playoffs, and you just can't allow your mind to work like that. It was more of a, a switch went on. I know in my mind, and I'm sure other teammates are just, hey, this isn't going to happen. Let's go score. Let's go win this thing, and, and let's move on to the Western Conference Final. And as soon as that goal uh, went in, I just started jogging to the to the half field line, and and thinking, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to try and get a goal to salvage this game and and hopefully move on. So, I think that's the mentality that everyone had: is, hey, we're not done yet. Um, I know our percentage of of going through at that moment when he scored was probably you know under two percent, but uh, we were we had the mentality that we were going to make it happen. So it's 
super proud moment for the team and, and just unreal experience. I mean, I definitely think that shows the maturity of this team, especially the last couple of years. I mean, this is you guys are a group of guys who've been together for a couple of years. And with Oscar Pereja, I mean, do, do you kind of sense that where the team, you know, you guys have gone through the trials before and now you're ready to take that next step? For sure. Uh, I think mentality stems down from the coaching staff and, you know, they're, they're very intense. They're very driven. Uh, they work extremely hard. Um, and so they, they work as hard as they can to prepare us and to, to get our mentality uh, to be like that. It's taken a little bit of time. I think there's been moments where we've been extremely naive uh, as a team, but we've, we've talked about that. We've worked on it, and uh, certainly you're going to have moments where that, that may happen and that uh, naive naivety will, will show. But um, I, think, I think we have developed so much of a mentality through the past few years, um, and that stems from the coaching staff. Uh, speaking of the coaching staff, Oscar Pereira obviously has done a great job since he's come over. Uh, what's it been like playing for him? And I, I know I remember leading up to the draft when you got drafted, uh, and he was at Colorado. He interviewed you, and 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 it. I think I think we saw the video. There was some video of you meeting the coaching staff, so you, you were kind of familiar with him. But what's he been like to play for? He's been great. I've I've learned a, a whole deal from from playing under him and. I've learned a lot um, mentality-wise, like we've talked about, just the intensity of of his uh, demeanor and the training sessions and the games. You know, he's a guy who just wants to win, um, but he's a guy who also he knows the identity that he wants his team to play with, and so he's just been drilling uh, these concepts into our heads the last two seasons. Um, so it is intense and it is difficult uh, at times, but. At the end of the day, you know that that he does love his players uh, and care about them and and for their development. And most of all, he just wants to win. And he's brought that mentality into our group, and it's proved to be successful. Nice, nice. Now you, you uh, he's going to take center stage. It's, I feel in this next series because of the Porter situation earlier in the year. Uh, you got the you have the Portland Timbers. Obviously, they, they they're a team that's on a bit of a roll right now. Uh, what, what do you see in that series? What, 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 how do you see that series playing out? Well, it is pretty interesting. Um, looking back to our meetings this year, you know, we lost three one there in Portland, uh, beat them four one at home. So goals are goals been uh, coming in on both sides, but it's interesting with these two teams having the most shutouts in, in the season. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic when played so far. Uh, but I expect it to be high energy. Uh, Tons of intensity, like all the course of the season, and I think two teams that are both on a roll uh, to end the season, us fighting for that support shield, and then rapidly climbing up to get the third seed in the West. So I think it's well deserved from both sides, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting that matchup going. Uh, okay, as far as how you your, your time is, this is your third year. Uh, you've played the most games. It's been kind of a steady progression. You you, you played ten games last year. You played twenty this year. Uh, what what do you think about just how things have gone along? I know you've had some injury issues through through your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's it gone for you this year? Uh, this year's definitely been different than the first two, uh, just in terms of being available. Uh, I mean, I was available for every game this year. Uh, been available since August of last year and haven't missed a game. Uh, it's been very good health wise recently. Uh, I think that's been a huge part of not only playing more but also uh, I feel playing at a level I expect myself to be playing at. Um, and so that can be uh, attributed to the staff um, as well as just off-season regimen. And, uh, yeah, it's been, like I said, it's been a successful year. But, um, 
I'm just here to try and help the team win. And, and whether that means starting or coming off the bench or, or cheering from the bench, you know, that's, that's the role that I'm in. And I'm going to obviously be fighting for a, a starting spot um, every week. But, you know, it's, it's just about working hard and, and hopefully good things will happen. Now, how tough, how frustrating was that early part of your career with the injuries, and 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 how much did Oscar Oscar Pereira kind of help help you with that the second year, kind of uh, dealing with that that whole process? Uh, it was frustrating, uh, especially when you come into a league, you want to prove yourself and prove that you can play at that level. Um, and so, not being able to do that, not being able to get a preseason uh, to get your fitness levels up for the first two seasons, uh, it makes a difference. It's a long season. And so fitness is huge and it's difficult when you're trying to play catch up. Um, but this year it was obviously a different story. Uh, I worked a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot on my own to, to get to this point. And, you know, I was saying it's, it's probably a blessing in disguise um, with what happened the first season, just learning a lot about my body, learning about what I needed to do to stay healthy, what I needed to do to improve flexibility and strength and, really just something that I think could, you know, prolong my career um, from learning those those certain things and learning different exercises that uh, are going to help me out. So, yeah, it was frustrating, but, uh, you know, in hindsight, you know, it's starting to look like that could have been a huge blessing in disguise. You know, when you, when you look back on when you started your career, you know, walking into FC Dallas camp and kind of where you are now, where you kind of learned this process, and would you go back and tell yourself that, that, you know, it's a grind, you're going to have to work for it every single day? Yeah, it's it is definitely a grind. And I know oftentimes professional athletes can get pinned as having, you know, uh, an easy lifestyle and, and uh, not really having to work extremely hard. Um, but that, I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth that it, it is demanding and um, it is very tough and it is a mental and physical grind. But at the end of the day, too, it is a job that, that I love. It's a, it's something that, um, you know, it's extremely rewarding to be able to do a job that you love. Um, and it is, it's such an exciting profession in that sense. So uh, I have learned a lot about, you know, the mental and physical grinds, but in, at the end of the day, it's, it's so worth it being able to do something that you love. Now, now Walker, some people might think, you know, because you've been in this year, third year in the league, people might think you're older than you are, but you're actually still, you're still only 22. So you're still pretty young. Uh, you, you sound like a grizzled veteran now, as opposed to, you know, when you first came on our show, you were, <laughs> you were a guest on our very first uh, SBI show, uh, which right. was like 100 years yeah. ago. Um, what, what, one thing I do find interesting, you're eligible uh, to play in, uh, in the Olympic cycle in the upcoming Olympic mm-hmm. cycle. Is that still something you think about? Obviously you are a part of the whole U18 setup, U20 setup, mm-hmm. and then the injuries kind of started, but how much is that kind of in the back of your mind to, to want to work toward that and, and try to get back in that mix? Uh, it's always on my mind. Um, I mean, it's something that you dream about and it's something that, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation that happened this year um, with, with, with the 23s and, uh, it's something that I'm always working to get into that picture um, and I always love representing my country and especially those guys, you know, like you mentioned, I've, I've played with a lot of them, most of them, uh, well, some of them from U14. Um, you know, we've been friends for, geez, about seven, seven years now um, with a few of the guys and uh, I do feel like chemistry with them and I'm always rooting for them, keeping in touch. So, yeah, it's something that... Uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm always ready and willing to to help out and do my best for, for the U.S. Now, Walker, I got to know, I feel like the penalty, the way you acted afterwards, was 
even better with your long hair that you're growing right now. You've always been a guy who said like <laughs> you know, nice cut hair. What's what's going up with the long hair? Uh, the long hair just kind of started. Uh, me and Ryan showed up actually at the beginning of the year, and uh, we looked at each other in the locker room like first day of preseason. And I was like, "Are you growing your hair out?" He's like, "Yeah, I am." I was going to just cut it at the end of the year. I was like, "Dude, I was too." <laughs> and so then we made a pact, like, "All right, well, we're definitely not cutting it until the last game of the season." And we'll reevaluate, see if we can get a man bun going and, and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was just more like a, a pact to not cut our hair all year. Uh, and it's getting pretty long, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. How long are you going to stick with it for? I mean, let's say you guys go on and eventually win the MLS Cup final. I mean, you're, you're going to keep it for good luck? Man, if we win the MLS Cup final, I might just have to do that. Uh, might just get super long hair for next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm. I'm definitely going to keep it till, till December 6th. Awesome. Well, Walker, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. We wish you continued success in your career. Uh, good luck against Polar, man. We really appreciate you, appreciate you jumping on the program with us today. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And Ivis, hopefully it isn't another, what, two and a half, three years since we have Walker on the show again? Yeah, no, I think I have a feeling we'll be hearing from him again, uh, again pretty soon. Uh, he's done what, pretty well for himself. And I tell you what, it, it, it is cool to see the, the the first two guests on our show still doing well and still kind of in the league and doing their thing because let's face it if they had if their careers had crashed and burned it would not have it, it wouldn't bode well for for kind of the reputation of being a guest on our show but obviously we had uh, Andrew Farrell we had Walker Zimmerman and they're they're both doing pretty well for themselves right mm-hmm. now hey, look it's a matter of time if you come on the show Ivis you will have a great game like Walker Zimmerman had <laughs> yeah there you but go no, how long it takes it will happen. It's 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 good karma, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if, if, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what we'll tell everybody uh, this in in the next week, so we can get everybody who's still alive in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we'll get them on the show. We'll get Kai Kamara. We'll get uh, you know, uh, who who do we want to get from SC Dallas? Yeah, we'll tell Kai. Hey, Kai, guarantee brace first game. He doesn't need our show. help. He scored two goals against the Montreal. You he never know. He, he couldn't need our help. Still, Ivis, that could have been a fluke. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think he's had enough goals. <laughs> all right well ivis well, hopefully we get more guests on the next week that'd be quite nice um time to move on we got to talk about the americans abroad we talked about this the last couple of days um there were rumors it's finally official bob bradley is now moving over to the french second division taking over at le harve um ivis now he's one of the you know the one of the, the big five countries in Europe. I mean, this is a move in the right direction for Bob Bradley. It's finally official, and, and you know, hopefully he continues to do well there and continue to move up that ladder. Right, and I think it's a good step for him. Uh, it's an opportunity for him to take a team and, and, and help them gain promotion to the first division in France. It's a team that has some history, a uh, team that has produced some, some extremely talented players through, through the history, and more re- most recently, obviously, Paul Pogba, uh, who's obviously a star at Juventus. So, We'll see what Bradley can do with with this opportunity. The good thing is, and I think we talked about it at the last show, uh, you have an American owner mm-hmm. who obviously targeted uh, Bradley and, and has respect for Bradley. So Bradley's going to have that support from ownership uh, to hopefully get the resources that he needs to help them gain promotion. Um, the fact that he was able to do so well with Stabek in Norway with you know a, frac- a fraction of the budget – uh, one of the smallest budgets in the Norwegian league, and it helped them get. I think they ended up third. I don't know if they got up to second, but they gained, they qualified for Europa League. Uh, for him to do that on a shoestring budget, now you take him to a team like Lahar, Lahar, 
who have new ownership, who have new new money to invest. Uh, it's it gives him more resources and a better opportunity to show what he can do. And uh, it, like you said, it is that next step. And if he if he can help them gain promotion, mm-hmm. and he, and if he can put his two years in there, help them gain promotion, help them stay up and actually thrive in league on, then then the sky's the limit there. I think at that point. Teams from the big leagues, the big four leagues, big five leagues are going to have to get serious about 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 Bob Bradley. I mean, you know, I, for for whatever reason, obviously English teams have have, have kind of not been in a rush to, to to jump on him as a candidate, despite all the rumors and talk about Aston Villa, you know, and Sunderland. Like none of those teams have been a serious op- option for him. None of those teams have really made have really. Looked at Bob Bradley. It, it just hasn't happened. It had, they, and there's been no offers. There's been nothing. Despite what you may have read or heard anywhere, there's been nothing tangible. So now, if he does well in France with this team, if he gets them up and helps them stay up and shows that he can uh, build a team like that in a, in a in a league like League One, if he can get them up and help them stay up, I think that's going to be what he needs to get him the kind of job that he really ultimately wants. You know, I, I did see something kind of funny. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, Bob Bradley's going to France, and now he's going to start signing." You know, Jesse Zardes, Jordan Morris. I mean, I don't see this exodus of American players leaving Major League Soccer to go join Bob Bradley. So <laughs> right. Who's in the show and you saw that? Just just pump your brakes on that. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Right, right. Yeah, that's a little, you know. Now, who knows? Now, I, I, I think once, let's just say, let's, let's just play it down the line. Once once he moves to the to the first division, let's say he, he gets them to the first division, helps them gain promotion, then all of a sudden you're talking about having more money to spend and I think it's not a reach to, to say that you can see Bob Bradley uh, looking at the U.S. For, for bargains and looking at the U.S. for value. And, yes, he could definitely tap that market for one or two players. I don't think we're going to see a conga line of guys leaving no. MLS for, 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 for that team. But I, I think, you know, as he showed at Stopback, right, bringing in some American players, uh, I think we, we probably will see at least one or two. Yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to see five or six. Yeah, one or two, that's realistic. And you know what? It may not even be the name guys either. You know? I mean, when you look at when he was in Norway, the only guy he had there was Cole Grossman. No, they had, he had Mikey Stevens there. That's didn't true. He? I'm sorry. He also had him too. My apologies. My apologies. But you know what I'm saying, obviously. Didn't Andrew Jacobson also play there? I think so too. But I'm saying, but they're not, you know, they weren't. They're, but I'm saying, but they're not. Um, you know the marquee names, not not you know not the right. market mar- marketable players. Obviously, the money the money they didn't. Well, he also let's not forget now. Uh, early on, he wanted Freddie Adu there, and and Freddie Adu passed on an opportunity to go there uh, because Adu was chasing a, an opportunity in England that never really materialized. And then by the time you know he he was open to trying to to, to give it a go with with Stabek, uh, it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, Brad, Bradley's shown that man. He he's willing to give American guys chances and. And uh, let's face it, here's a guy who's trying to blaze a trail for American coaches. If he can also help American players, I mean, I think, you know, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it out of charity. Let's, let's be honest now. But he is a guy who's going to look at the talent that's here in the U.S. And he is going to see the value that's here and, and see it in a way that maybe foreign coaches don't see it. So I think, yeah, I do think we'll see if they gain promotion. And who knows? Maybe even sooner. Maybe even now in January, you know. He, if he can, if he can look at the look at the market, and if there's some guys who are free agents, you know, MLS players whose contracts are expiring and who are available, maybe we'll see a couple of them go over to uh, go over to France. Well, maybe right now, Le Havre is fourth in the second division in France. Top three teams in that division uh, then move on 
and get promoted to the to the top division. I was bringing it back to Major League Soccer. Uh, there are reports about this, also finally official. New York City FC has named Patrick Vieira as their new head coach. Um, we talked about this, foreign guys coming over, not understanding Major League Soccer. Usually doesn't bode well for the success. Success, excuse me. However, though, we all have to forget, Ivis, that New York City FC is pretty much a minor league team. So regardless of how they do, it really doesn't matter, right? Come on, really? Come on, <laughs> what are we doing there? Uh, no need, no need to throw throw stones at NYCFC. I'd say, I would say this, you know, it, I mean, we've we've talked about it; it's well noted. Uh, and just to make it clear, it, it isn't as simple as saying foreign coaches have don't do well or haven't done well in MLS. That's not it at all. That's not the point at all. There has been a, a track record, a pretty pretty awful track record of coaches who've come over from abroad with no ties to American soccer at all, no experience in American soccer at all, to come in and be the head coach of a team. The, I mean, we've seen it, and, and, it's, and it's pretty pretty bad. It's just, I mean, whether Aaron Venter, Rude Hullet, um, Marco Schalabaum was okay, uh, but, I mean, he he, ended, he lasted a year. Um, Carlos de los Cobos. I mean, just just that's just some of the names off the top of the head. Uh, the foreign coaches who have actually done okay are coaches who had experience in America, working in America, understanding or having some knowledge in the American soccer system. Thomas Rongen, uh, Steve Nichol, obviously he started out as an, he started out as, as an assistant coach, so he did gain experience. Even Gary Smith, the one foreign coach you could say, oh, the foreign coach, he didn't have a ton of experience in MLS. He won an MLS Cup, yes, but he started out as an assistant coach. He started out in an assistant coach at, in Colorado. He didn't have to build the team. He took over the team. It's, it's, it's easy to kind of forget that. He took over the team from Fernando Clavijo. But in terms of a foreign coach with no experience in MLS whatsoever coming in and having to build a team, having to you know really shape a team, take it from day one, uh, and, and learn the league on the fly, it's the track record's not great at all. Does that mean Vieira is absolutely positively going to fail? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that yet. Uh, but the track record, you can't. It, it, it's it's there. It's it's there. I mean, you can. I'm not saying it, you look at the track record and it has to mean everybody fails. But even Owen Coyle, Owen Coyle, another example, a guy, a very respected, a very respected coach in Europe, in England, came over. He didn't light the world on fire. Houston didn't make the playoffs. So it's not easy. The point is, it's not easy. So, you know, people who anyone who thinks Oviera, he's going to come in, he's going to work his magic, he's going to sprinkle some of his invincibles dust, some of his French national team dust, and things are going to work amazingly. That's, uh, you know what, that's a little bit, it's a little presumptuous. Now, say, having said that, I've heard nothing but great things about Vieira. He's a very sharp guy. He's a very polished guy. Um, very intelligent guy. I mean, I think anyone who saw the video of him, his first kind of comments about taking the job, he seems like he's, you know, he, he's a sharp guy. There's no two, no doubt about it whatsoever. And City sees him as having a bright future. They want to keep him in the family. And if he does well, puts a couple of good years in at NYCFC, yes, he could end up at Man City, possibly. Who knows? Um, but how well he does is going to really come down to the support staff around him um, and the support staff they put around him, what, what kind of kind of coaching staff they put around him, uh, how the front office is going to do i'm still not convinced on that side of things that he has that support because just i think i said it last show if patrick Rivera was taking over the seattle sounders and i know that you know what he's gonna he's gonna inherit uh some really good assistant coaches who know the league he's gonna be working with garth lagerway that one of the top if not the top gm in the in mls 
I would be. All, I, w- I would say, you know what, Petruvier. I could definitely see him doing well because he, he has a support system. I don't. I don't know about New York City FC's support system. We don't know. We haven't seen them succeed. We haven't seen them excel. We haven't seen them really show that they can that they can do well. So that's why there is this kind of doubt about Vieira because he doesn't know the league. He's not familiar with the league, and he also doesn't have a support system around him. So. That's why people are skeptical. That's why people don't think it's going to work. I am not on the – there's no way it will work, man. I'm not, I'm not there. But I am on the, you know what, this is far from a slam dunk. Far from a slam dunk. And Ivis also coming out this week, Major League Soccer's awards are being announced. They haven't announced all of them. They've only announced a few of them. We do know that the Rookie of the Year is Kyle Lahren. Um, look, there isn't going to be anyone else. That was a pretty obvious pick. Yeah, I mean that, that's a. I, I don't know anyone that anyone that could really generally vote for anyone else. I mean, there 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 were three top rookies in the league this year. Fatai Alashi was uh, was the second for me, the number two. Matt Poster's number three. Although I think Matt Poster, I tell you what, he could end up having as good a career as any of those guys. Uh, he's really impressed me. But mm-hmm. it was always a three horse race. But Kyle Aaron in the last couple of months of the season totally blew it away. He totally ran away with it. Unbelievable season. What did he end up with? Seventeen goals. I mean, he shat, he obliterated the the record, the the, the rookie goal scoring record uh, held by another UConn alum, by the way, Damani Ralph. Um, Which was eleven. And, yeah, it's eleven. It's he crazy to think six goals, man. That's that. It, that's gonna be tough to break. And that and that goal and that record stood for a while. That record uh, two thousand three. Yeah, twelve. That record stood for a dozen years. Um, I don't know who's going to come in and break the seventeen goal record. And I, I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, Abu Dunladi, Jordan Morris, Jordan Morris. Hey, you know what? Maybe Jordan Morris could break it if Jordan Morris is going to Europe. Don't be reckless. We are. I've already said he's not, and I. I stand by that. He's not going to go to Europe. And he's going to stay in college. Somehow they'll let eventually him do, he they'll listen, give him extra years of eligibility. Eventually he comes to MLS, and whenever he <laughs> does, he will be a rookie. So even if he's twenty six years old after going to medical school, he'll still be a rookie. So, um, but no, Kyle Aaron was the easy pick. Defender of the year also announced that is Montreal Impact defender Laurent Simon. I have a couple choices there. You could also say that maybe Kendall Watson was maybe a pick there. You you find with Simon winning the award? I am I, not going to say it, it was a bad pick, but it wasn't my pick. Um, and it, it's funny because actually I named my I named my best eleven on Goal.com, and I didn't actually have Simon on the best eleven, and it's, and it came out the same day that Simon was the pick here. So right away, all fans are like, "You're an idiot." The defender of the year is not even on your best 11. What's wrong with you? And here's my thing, and I'm going to break it down for everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, Simon is excellent. There's no doubt. Now, if you're asking me who the best defender is in MLS, Lawrence Simon is the best defender in MLS. I, I I wouldn't argue that. I would say that. I would agree with that. Now, the, for me, there's a difference between who is the best defender in the league and who had the best season in the league. And for me, defender of the year is in, in any of these kind of awards is is – what you did this year. It's not how good you are or, or your, just your quality. It's actually your production and your quality. It's your quality, but also your production, the games you play. Um, because let's face it, we could just give awards out in the beginning of the year. We know who the best guys are. You know what I mean? It's a, it, for me, it's about production. And while Lawrence, Lawrence Dumont was excellent, for me, Matt Hedges was uh, outstanding and very underrated. I, I, I when you think about FC Dallas, and 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 there's been a lot of uh, 
shaking up of that defense uh, in terms of what I mean obviously Zach Lloyd's very good but you've had to play Zach Lloyd at fullback you've had different fullbacks on either side you've had goalkeeping changes he's had to play with a young goalkeeper like for me for everything he had to do Matt Hedges was my pick now Matt Hedges you know man he probably won't even make first team uh, best he probably won't even earn best 11 uh, just because I'm pretty sure Simon is going to be a pick now based on this voting and Kendall Watson's outstanding as well but for me I, I look at that whole thing. And, and Lawrence Simon, let's not forget, I think I'm pretty sure Lawrence Simon led MLS in, in red cards. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy who missed games. I, 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 it's hard not to, to, to like Simon. Simon is class. He's a class player. His quality, there's no, de, there's no denying he's an excellent player. But I think what did it for me toward the end of the year, what kind of maybe dropped him down a notch, was looking at how Montreal did in games without him later in the year – and they and they look good with that. Like they 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 were still a good strong defense without him. So what that tells me is, you know what? It wasn't a case. Like I don't think he carried their defense as much as people might have wanted to make it seem like he carried their defense. That um, hedges off of FC Dallas. I think it hurts them just as much, if not more, than if you just took Lawrence Simon off of Montreal for the whole year. And we know this because Montreal, because they, Montreal's had to play without Simon because he's gotten all these red cards. Well, Ivis, these are the two kind of major awards that have been announced. Major League Soccer spreading out the announcement of all the awards throughout the entirety of November. So, like, goalkeeper is not till November 19th. Coach of the Year is not till November 24th. MVP is December 2nd. So we do have time. However, though, Ivis, I, I got to make sure you're okay with this. MLS Refer- Referee of the Year was announced on November 6th. Are you okay with Alan Kelly being MLS Referee of the Year? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm. I don't know. Like he's okay, I guess. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've never. Why, I can't why say give I've him been an award for that. I don't know. Same I mean, I wouldn't. Assistant wouldn't, referee of the year. Well, I'll tell you what. As long as it's not Mark Geiger, I don't really <laughs> I know, think. Right? It, I don't think anyone cares who goalkeeper of the year is. To be honest with you, I mean, uh, who uh, referee of the year is? Well, I think people care about goalkeeper of the year. No, that yes, that people the people are definitely, especially this year because yeah. this year it's, it's uh, up in the air. Bill Mead. <laughs> Uh no, <laughs> I know he's not gonna win, but I'll pull for him just because. Just because, even though he missed, uh, you know, a third of his team's games. Eh, those are just details, Ivis. Okay, details, details. And then, hey, and listen, that's another exactly back to my point about Sima. If you're asking me who the best goalkeeper in the league is, best the guy who like, okay, I want him in my in my in, in my team in my lineup in a game that we have to win. Bill Hamid's my guy. Well, I mean, Nick Romano, you could argue also, but Bill Hamid. In terms of quality, yeah, I'd go with it, Bill Hamid based off how he looks. Yeah, 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 but no, but it's again for me anyway. And everyone, everyone, it's subjective, and everyone has their own way how they pick these awards. But people who, you know, for me, it's it's your body of work, what you've done cumulatively for the full year. It's goalkeeper of the year. It's not best goalkeeper. It's goalkeeper of the year. So for that, I know people will say, "Oh, there's no real difference," but there is. There is a difference, and that's why I think. That's where I think people get caught up in that. And, and, and as an example, when we talk about Luis Robles, right, people who don't follow or don't watch all the Red Bulls games and, but may have seen Robles through the years, they might not be that impressed with Robles in general because, you know, through the years he's been an okay goalkeeper, slightly above average, but not, like, amazing. He, he's been, he has made his share of mistakes. Well, especially uh, when he first came over to New York. Ooh. Well, right, right. So that's what I'm saying. So people have kind of that, that, that perception of him. Um, and for that standpoint, like I think a lot of people won't even really consider him as a goalkeeper of the year candidate. However, if you look at what he's done this year, I think he's got a very good case for goalkeeper of the year. I mean, and, and, but is he going to win? I, I don't know. But I think that works against him. Whereas a Bill Hamid, he's been excellent for so long now. 
people just equate him as being a top the top goalkeeper in the league. So again, it becomes about reputation. It becomes about your level, your stat, your regular level, as opposed to maybe what you've done this particular year. And for me, that's just not how I do it. For me, I go by what you've done this year, the body of work as a whole. And I tell you what, they, I, Luis Robles actually was my pick uh, for a while, but then you know I kept crunching the numbers. I kept looking at, I, and I've seen all I've seen all these games. And David Osted, David Osted had an, had an amazing year. So I think yeah, great. He should win it. I think he should win it. Uh, I don't know if he will win it. I think Robles. I think and it, there's something to be said. Look, the, the media doesn't have all the vote on this, but the media has a chunk of the vote on this. And uh, the New York, there's a quite a few. There's a lot of media in New York that, and a lot of media in New York that are getting votes. And I think Robles is going to get. That's going to push help. It could help push Robles past a David Osted. It happen. Well, we we will announce our picks not on today's show. We will announce them on uh, a later show. We'll go into all the details. MVP. Um, we won't call it comeback. Most improved. That's the SBI yeah. show award. So we will announce those. Um, if not the next show, we will announce them. We got to announce them soon before the awards come out. So probably within the next uh, week, I just will announce them. Come back, the comeback award is such a joke. It's dumb. It's, it's like Tim Malia. What did he come back from? Will Trapp's on the list. <laughs> well, I mean, he had, he had a concussion this year. Yeah, but come on. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's I, when I saw that, I was like, what? I've said it. I've, I've, I've been, I feel like I've been on a soapbox for years now. Get rid of the comeback player award. And I know why they have it. Because when there is like a great story, then it becomes a great story, and it's nice to have an award for it. But it's such a forced thing, and I, and I've said it for so long now. Make it a most improved player. There's not nope. There just aren't. And then when you and I think it cheapens the award when you force it into these other things. Like Tim Malia, as an example, okay, he can't he 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 came back from not playing like that from being a backup. Yeah, came that's back not from, a comeback. Like, that's not comeback. Like, the idea of comeback, okay, come back from an injury, an illness, that sort of thing. I get that. Like, I, like it's, I, I, for me, most improved is a good award to have because they reward players who, who have, have made, like, huge progress in their careers, who made a huge jump from, you know, whether being a bench guy to being an all-star, that kind of thing. For me, And I think that happens every year. Every year you see guys break out. Uh, from you know relative obscurity to become outstanding, and this year uh, on SBI and I and I I'm, I'm this is my pick too. I know I know we're not doing all our picks today, but SBI chose Matt Miazga, and I can totally get agree with that because like a year ago he was a no a year ago he wasn't even on the radar. A year ago he was a, a young prospect, got a couple of minutes for the Red Bulls. He he wasn't even expected to come in and start in 2015, and now he's on the national team. Now he's finishing fourth for Defender of the Year, which, to be fair, I don't agree with. I think that that's again that's uh, that's ro- that's roster that's ballot stuffing by New York media who uh, who fall in love with watching him every week, and 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 he's a hot prospect. Um, but I'm on board with him being the most improved player. There were a lot of most improved players though. Kevin, Kevin right, well, Ellis. Okay. Well, don't give them all away. We got to save this when David, we do our picks. David Bingham, uh, Ethan Finley. I mean, but that. Getting back to the point, most improved player for me would just be a so much better award yeah. than, than comeback player. Comebacks, eh. It, it's, comeback is great when there's a great story, but it's like you don't keep an award around for the once every three years. There's like a truly great story of someone overcoming something. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll announce the awards, Ivis. 
within the next week. We got to move on. We do have to talk about the NASL. The championship match is this Sunday. New York Cosmos at home playing host to the Ottawa Fury FC. This is going to shaping out to be look like a huge and great match. Are the Cosmos the favorite going into this match? Uh, of course. And you know what? Actually, they're not. <laughs> it's tough to say, right? Because Ottawa, Ottawa was so excellent in in the fall season, and and we're just coming off the fall season. Uh, Ottawa smacked around the Cosmos the last time they played. So from that standpoint, Ottawa's going to come in with confidence. I don't think they're going to come in intimidated. I don't think they're going to come in, you know, overawed by by playing the Cosmos. They played them. They've beaten them handily. Now, having said that, it's a final. And when you have guys like Raul and Marco Senna playing in a final, and it's their final game of their careers, I think those guys are going to step it up and and carry the Cosmos to a title. And I think they're just their class is what's going to make the difference in this game because all things being equal, I think I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. But Ottawa do, Ottawa does not have a Raul. They don't have a Senna. And when the when those guys are on their game, they're a different level. They're a different class. Different class. it's just there's no arguing so from that standpoint that combined with the fact that they're at home they're going to have the home crowd you got to go with the cosmos i want to point out the last so i just want to say this since um since uh um, excuse me april 9th ottawa has only lost one game in league play since april 9th that is ridiculous I mean, that's a ridiculous stat. Hey, that's been uh, they've been outstanding, and their defense is very tough. And uh, and uh, it's gonna be a great matchup. It's gonna be a great matchup. Uh, it could go, I, if Ottawa wins, I wouldn't be shocked. But I, you know what? If you ask me who I'm putting my money on, I'm putting my money on Raul, who's won. I can't even count how many trophies he's won in his career. He's won everything. I count on him to step it up with the trophy on the line to go out a champion. It's like what other what other way could the script end? It just, it just, for me, it just can't end. Raul's career cannot end on a loss to Ottawa. I just can't see it. I can't see that happening. So we'll see. Well, like his career couldn't end on a baseball field. It can't end with a loss. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, if you want to watch the game, it will be on Sunday. That's 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Uh, if you want to watch the game, it will be available on ESPN3. And, uh, for all of our uh, for all of our listeners in Brazil, you can watch it on Watch ESPN too, because you know all five of you down in Brazil. Game will be on Sunday. Um, Ivis, before I let you go for the night, because I know I know you're gonna go uh, gonna go uh, you know party it up before the U.S. game on Friday. Anything else we need to discuss? I think that's it, man. I'm in St. Louis. I still have to I still have to finish writing, and uh, I will make an I will make an appearance at the AO party tonight. Uh, hopefully, uh, I have to grab some dinner first, but. Uh, it's gonna it, World Cup qualifying starts, and it, and, and you know every time a cycle starts, there is always that kind of feeling that it's a fresh start. It's a it's a chance for everybody to forget about what happened last time around, last cycle, uh, and now this time around is even more to forget the Concacaf Cup, uh, Gold Cup. Uh, this is a really a chance to start fresh, look at some new faces, and give people a reason to look ahead and stop looking back. And and hopefully this game does that. Hopefully this game allows guys like Nagby, Morris, Miazga, uh, you know, a ch- Bobby Wood, 
uh, a chance to to you know give people reason you give American fans, U.S. fans, a reason to have hope about how this next cycle is going to go. Uh, and look, it's early. It's early. There, there's still you know young players who need to develop, who maybe aren't quite ready right now. And I know that a lot of U.S. fans right now are really down on the team as a whole and aren't feeling really confident about the state of of, of the team because of, of the recent results. But uh, I'll just say it's a it's a fresh start. Everything starts tomorrow on Friday. It's time to stop thinking about <laughs> the disappointments of the past and now think about what this team can do going forward. And Friday, when, like I don't say them losing, but win or lose Friday, it's just it's one game, but it's that first step. First step towards a new cycle. First step towards a new era. First step for a lot of guys to to hopefully put their stamp on this group and become the new leaders of this group. Hopefully, man. Big opportunity for a lot of guys. These two games right here, man. Big opportunity for a lot of guys. Well, Ivis, with that being said, I'm going to let you go for the night. I know you have a lot of work to do and a lot of cosmopolitans to drink, so I'll let you go. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, enjoy the game, Ivis, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. We'll recap the U.S. versus St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Enjoy yourself out there, man. Right, man? Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the recent reviews on iTunes. We always appreciate and appreciate all of your feedback. That is Ivis Golarsev in St. Louis. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.